Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I'm Sabrina and this is Trailer Talk. I am very excited to have this conversation with Marissa Scheinfeld for this episode because the Borscht Belt has played in my own history and memory in a very large way. Growing up in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley, my great aunts, Ruth and Eva, had the Borscht Belt book on their bookshelf, and I didn't know what it was, and it kind of uh, lived in my, my memory and my imagination as I was growing up in the Valley of Los Angeles. Jewish immigrant family fled the Holocaust, and there I saw these photographs of a, of a kind of a universe, a reality, uh, a place of, of a kind of culture and entertainment and joy, focusing on this kind of history and memory and tying into my own identity to welcome Marissa Scheinfeld to this conversation. Marissa was born in Brooklyn, New York and raised in the Catskills. With her work as a photographer, she also has uh, an incredible book, which I'll share more about and one coming up. She has an interest in landscape and, and embedded histories. And as she says, both apparent and hidden. So we're going to explore this together. And her photographic projects have been in the collections of the Library of Congress, the New York Public Library, Yeshiva University Museum, the National Yiddish Book Center, and more and more and more, the Simon Wiesenthal Center. She lectures about her photographs and these projects. And what's so exciting to me is she has the Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project, and she has been herself exploring her own connection to this Borscht Belt history. I live in Sullivan County in Liberty, New York, and so this has played very heavily in my own internal inquiries into this location where I've lived now for 30 years. Marissa's book that explores the Borscht Belt is titled The Borscht Belt, Revisiting the Remains of America's Jewish Vacation Land. And she's currently working on a second book entitled Once Upon a Time. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you so much for having me and for that beautiful and eloquent introduction. I'm very happy to be here. So why don't we begin with, first of all, I'm sure people listening, not everyone knows what the Borscht Belt is even referring to. How would you describe it? The Borscht Belt was, it was the place to be for the time that it was alive. Let's, in a nutshell, pinpoint it to 1920, roughly to the 70s, although it, it did wane in years afterwards, but that was largely the heyday. It was a place of community, of connection, of joy, of celebration, of a cultural renaissance. It was the birthplace of stand-up comedy and forged lots of grounding for many entertainers and names that we know in American popular culture. And it existed uh, as about 500 plus hotels 
across Sullivan County and parts of Ulster County. There were 50,000 bungalows, and these are little, little individual bungalows, many colonies, hundreds of bungalow colonies, and boarding houses. And unfortunately, the Borscht Belt was created because of anti-Semitism. So it was created because of a very negative um, perception and treatment of Jews in the 1920s. But it flourished in a very revolutionary way where the Jewish community that created it in many ways said, well, you don't want us to be in your club. Well, we will create our own. And they created arguably, you know, the hottest club um, in the country for a period of time, but it was also internationally known. And this period of time, if you needed to frame that for us, what, what would you say is the heyday of the Borscht Belt? I would say the 50s and 60s would be the heyday, but it did start and get its grounding in 1905, we see, 1907, Kutcher's open, 1920, many hotels started to open um, along the railroad track. So we talk about Mountaindale, we talk about you know, the railroad coming up to the county. Um, that's one of the earlier towns, South Fallsburg, Monticello. It spread all the way, really from Mamacating, Wurtsboro, all the way up to Roscoe and Livingston Manor. And then it went across 209 into the Ellenville, uh, Greenfield Park, Spring Glen area. And certainly where I live in Liberty, we had one of the most famous Hotels. The arguably the famous because it had it all was its slogan Grossinger's, which had its own zip code for a time. <laughs> oh my goodness, incredible. You know, when I found myself living in Liberty, New York, after having grown up with this book, The Borscht Belt, on my family's bookshelf and not knowing what it was, but it was so vividly in my imagination because the photographs of the celebration and the joy and the entertainment. And you mentioned comedy. So what, as you say, it was a birthplace of comedy as we understand it in the United States. How would you describe that? Who are some of those people? So I think one of the biggest names that we can say is Mel Brooks, who got his start in 1941 at a small hotel called the Butler Lodge in Hurleyville. There are so many names, um, you know, Sid Caesar, Rodney Dangerfield, who we may all know, and of course, Joan Rivers. I remember as a child seeing billboards for Jerry Seinfeld appearing at the Concord. And this was just before he received the okay and the green light to do Seinfeld. So all of these names, um, Gilbert Gottfried, Henny Youngman, um, Woody Allen, I mean, the list goes on and on. Toady Fields, um, they told their worst jokes. They honed their craft. They got up on stage and were booed and bombed. And, and you can find almost testament of all of them talking about that because Borscht Belt crowds were notoriously very tough. They were amongst the toughest crowds to, to make laugh. So what ends up happening is they, they get their grounding there, but then they graduate to American TV, syndicated talk shows and um, you know um, variety shows and then eventually movies. And they've embedded their names, most all of the people that I've mentioned into American culture and popular entertainment. And that is where most people, when you go to almost any state in America where they don't know about the Borscht Belt, the names that I bring out, especially the more contemporary ones, um, you know, that's where their, their place is solidified and, and known to most. Thank you, Marissa. I'm speaking with Marissa Scheinfeld, who 
is engaged with and uh, one of the founders of the Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project and also the book, The Borscht Belt Revisiting the Remains of America's Jewish Vacation Land. And this is very exciting because it seems as if Sullivan County and this region uh, where we live and have connection to, there is a moment now of, of a kind of uh, recognition of this history. And I'm wondering if you could talk about your book and how, how and why you began to photograph what are remains at this point. And I am interested in your work as looking at these hidden narratives and a kind of embedded cultural iconography. I guess describe that in your own investigation as an artist, as a photographer. Well, I think I would start from the beginning, which is that my parents moved up to Sullivan County in 85 and they still live there. So as a child, I was fortunate to have grandparents that were around. And my grandparents would go to hotels like the Concord and Kutcher's. They had a condo at Kutcher's. Those condos are still there. They're called Hidden Ridge. And that's also seeing a renaissance. So my parents would drop me off on the weekends. And this was 1985, six, seven, eight, nine. And I would do the quintessential Borscht Belt activities that still existed in very empty hotels. Um, bingo, swimming, going into the steam room and the cold plunge. So the memory of that is very vibrant. And moving into my teenage years, one of my first jobs was working as a lifeguard at the Concord before it closed in 96. Then I think naturally, um, I moved as far away as I could after college and I moved out to the West Coast. And on the West Coast, I worked at a photography museum, got my master's. And it was around that time where I was really trying to figure out what is the work that I wanna make and what do I wanna say? And previous work, when I look at it, was um, I went to SUNY Albany, actually, before I moved to California. And I look back at slides I shot, color slides, and they were old hotels. And then I went to Eastern Europe and documented sites of Nazi atrocities. So I came back and I was living in this beautiful, vibrant San Diego and found that the sunsets were really not cutting it for me. I was needing something with more depth in my work. So a mentor of mine named Arthur Ullman, who started the Museum of Photographic Arts, wonderful, um, wonderful person, very um, influential. He said to me, shoot what you know. So that was it. That was the fire. That was the kindling that said, oh, well, I know my hometown region has this unbelievable history. I lived some of it. My grandparents met there. My parents lived there. And looking at it every time I went home, it was like these looming creatures of failure, of stagnation. The Pines, Grossinger's was still standing. The Browns was standing. And with Arthur's advice, what I started to do was piece together images and look at a timeline of the Borscht Belt. And then I went back. I'm interested, you just said kind of a representation of failure. And for people who haven't been here to Sullivan County in this region that we're talking about, these hotels, these locations, they loom as, as a kind of um, ghost and decay and, and a memory. And you just mentioned this word failure. So I'm wondering if, if you could dive into that a bit for us. And then this moment now of somehow uh, by 
by creating these projects and documenting, there's there's a now another cycle of recognition that's happening. So historians, and one of the premier historians that I've consulted with and read his books is John Conway, Sullivan County's Jim. Conway has kind of pegged the demise of the Borscht Belt, along with others. Uh, Phil Brown is another amazing Catskill historian, as starting in 65. But it took a couple of decades for it to really crash and burn. But in 1965, we have a very interesting era going on in America. We have the civil rights movement, gay rights movement, women's lib, war in Vietnam. We have Woodstock in 69. And then we have the Borscht Belt. And we have a very changing of tides in America. Lots of shifts, lots of new uh, newness going on. We have the boom of the airline and the cruise industry in the 70s. We also have a very pivotal moment in 65, actually, is the signing of the Anti-Discrimination Act. So Jews and minorities, people of color, who were once banned from going to places in America, and I'm talking about hotels, gas stations, banks, um, place jobs, uh, social clubs, you name it, there was discrimination. So now, and let's get back to the Jewish story, Jews who were banned from going to places can now jump on a plane and go to the Caribbean or go to wherever they want to fly to without being shunned, without being stifled. So this is the demise of the Borscht Belt. Many hotels were sold, some hotels burned. Some hotels were sold to the Orthodox, some became meditation centers, ashrams, rehabilitation centers, and then there was dozens and dozens that were just left. They were for sale and they started decomposing as structures do. So by the time of the 90s, I think there were a few hotels open like Kutcher's, Grossinger's closed in 89. Um, what starts to happen is you drive around the landscape, especially in the early 2000s when I started to look and these hotels are fully ruins. They are modern day ruins in America. And we think of ruins as places that are thousands of years old, but no, these have been sitting for some for 50 years, some for 10, some for five, like the Neville when I found it. And I looked at these ruins in a different way. I saw them as places that would eventually, not only would they disintegrate, but they would completely be gone. They would be torn down. So something inside of me told me to document that. And I got a lot of flack at first. Like, why would you want to go to the Pines? There's nothing there. That was always the tale. There's nothing there. And it took a long time for me to say, well, you're not looking because there is something there. There is history. There is personal history, collective history, county history, state history, cultural history, entertainment history. And there are narratives that are left in the ruin. And I started to go into these hotels that I went to as a kid, like Kutcher's, like Concord, Grossinger's never went to as a kid, but adventure kicked in and driving kicked in. And that's really how the project started. So when I come now to 2023, when I started the book in 2012 and it came out in 2016, in 2016, 17, the Catskills as we know it, it was not as vibrant and booming. And my book, The Well-Received, um, I think is even more well-received now because of the Renaissance and because people are really excited about what's going on in all of these small towns in the Catskill region. And I'm very fortunate that the book has these sea legs, that it extends this far because people can look to it 
and see um, what was left. And the yes. unfortunate thing is like, they're half all gone. They're, they're not even ruins anymore with regard to my book. So interesting. I'll have friends say, oh, you know, when I was a kid, my parents brought me to, and they'll mention the hotel and they'll ask, what does it look like now? And in some cases I'll say, well, it's a skeleton. In other cases, well, it burned down. In other cases, you know, but it is extraordinary. And it's so exciting for me to speak with you because I have also explored this personally and I've been waiting for the moment to explore it with trailer talk. And so to be able to begin these dialogues with you to me is really important because of the work that you've done with your photographs and and the book that that you're talking about now, which came out in 2016, which is The Borscht Belt, Revisiting the Remains of America's Jewish Vacation Land, and also your Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project. So let's now move into that. And I'm confident that we're going to continue to have conversations. But I'd like our listeners to be able now to understand this incredible project. You have your first historical marker in Monticello at the Ethel B. Crawford Library, which is on Broadway. And maybe we could begin there. And I know you've got two more coming up this summer, and then you'll be continuing with that. But this, of course, now is marking, actually creating a, a physical marker of these embedded histories that you're talking about. So when I was working on my book, I realized and recognized that there were no historic markers in the entire region to commemorate the Borscht Belt. We have the Sullivan County Historical Museum and Historical Society. There's the Liberty Museum that pays tribute to it. But really, with regard to an actual you know, iron historic marker, there's nothing. So about, let's say four years ago, I was contacted by a man named Jerry Klinger. He runs the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation, and his mission is to put historic markers across America in places of Jewish importance. So Jerry had come up to Sullivan County. He lives in Florida. He's um, a child of survivors, grew up in the D.C. area, and has really made it his mission to um, share Jewish history. So we, of course, connected, I think, on a very deep level. So Jerry comes up to the region, announces the project, and I think it was John Conway, actually it was, who said, why don't you reach out to Marissa? And Jerry and I were in touch 2018. I had just gotten pregnant with my first son, and 2019 I had him, 2020 was the pandemic. So while I was very interested, it just wasn't the right time. And last summer, Jerry and I reconnected. My son was three and I felt a little bit more like I got, I have some clearance to do this. And he offered to fund 20 historic markers and essentially make a cohesive historic marker trail and said, hey, I want you to be the one to do it. So I put together a small but fabulous team of people that I'm working with. Um, Isaac Jeffries, who's a photographer as well, who's also a phenomenon of Borschfeld information, Louis Ingleterra. He's a historic preservation um, major and now, well, he graduated, but unbelievable uh, Borschfeld knowledge these two have. We also have another Catskill historian, Kelly Huggins, working with us, and John Conway signs up on all the markers. So the crux of us, with help from others and support from the Visitors Association and the Historical Society and DVAA is lovingly supporting us now on an exhibit. 
we put together this project and we're going to mark locations. Some of them are going to be on historic properties. Some of them cannot be. Um, we can't really lead people to abandoned places, but we can bring people throughout the different towns. And that's our goal, that each town that the Borschfeld really occurred in or transpired in gets marked with the marker. And um, they're really cool. They're vibrant, colorful, have QR codes and images on them. So they're of appeal. Yes. And- so Marissa, let's talk about the first one. And then I know the second and the third are coming up. So first one, Monticello, New York, here in Sullivan County. Can you talk about why you started there and and what this historic marker is? I started in Monticello because I'm a graduate of Monticello High School. So I think it was the most natural place. Also, historically, Monticello and Fallsburg were really the crux of the numbers when we talk about all those 500 hotels and 50,000 bungalows the epicenter is Monticello and Fallsburg and as you know someone who grew up on Broadway hearing the stories of how busy it was it was very natural for me to say you know what let's start here so when I contacted the um the library um I knew people there I had given a talk there Um, I had known people from high school there. And I think because of my local roots, it has helped the project flourish a bit. So we started and realized early on, well, we don't want to put these roadside. They're dangerous. People don't approach them. It's hard to see them. So let's put them in, in town centers where people are already going so that they are met with these markers and then they can move on to eat or browse. So the Monticello Library, that was it. It was like, yes, we want it. And that marker dedicated uh, Kutcher's and the Laurels. Oh, Kutcher's and the Laurels. Well, I just wanted to add, and where the marker is, is adjacent, you know, not far from the Bagel Bakery. And Sullivan County has another historic, amazing history around the creation of the, what is it now? I'm forgetting the Bagel the bagel machine. The bagel machine. It was actually invented in Hurleyville. And there's <laughs> are two gentlemen um, that are trying to put a historic marker there that I'm working with as well. Um, yes. The bagel so machine. Mm-hmm. I, I always say to people, I'm telling you, Sullivan County, it really has the most extraordinarily complex and surprising histories. And so your projects, both your photographic projects and also this Borscht Belt historical marker project, Amazing. And as you're saying, the first one, it has been located in Monticello, New York, where you graduated high school. If you could share with us why you chose the the two hotels. So the markers predominantly in each town acknowledge the big hotels, but they also call out the smaller ones as well as bungalow colonies. So it's very tricky because if you look at Monticello and you look at the numbers, I think there were 40-something hotels and 30-something bungalow colonies. So our website lists every single one. So one of the resources that we're using is Phil Brown's Catskills Institute, which was started in Woodridge and now is housed at Brown University. But um, overall, we are so excited because each marker acknowledges a big hotel, some of the smaller hotels, bungalow colonies, and our website lists an extensive story. So you can look at the 140 word marker and the images and then jump on our website via a QR code and see an extended list of every single Monticello or every single next event is Mountaindale. Then we have Swan Lake coming up and we have 20. So we are going to fill the landscape 
and ask you to drive through it. And eventually um, with a self-guided audio tour, you will really be able to see the beauty of the Catskills and then look at the history along the way. Really incredible. Marissa, I also want to mention that you are working on your second book, which is titled Once Upon a Time. And it's clear to me that we're going to continue these conversations. I'm so excited. There's so much to talk about. When we think about the Borscht Belt, as you've mentioned, there's so many layers that have to do with kind of historic intersections that were happening during the time of the height of its popularity. Uh, you know, we're talking about entertainment. We're talking ab about response to anti-Semitism. We're talking about a celebration of the mountains here and and the kind of um, freedom that was possible at that time. We're also talking about kind of cultural shifts when then there was this downfall and decay. And now there's this resurgence, a recognition of the importance of it all. I'm just wondering if there's anything you want to conclude with for the beginning of our dialogues. Well, you know, I've been invested in the Borscht Belt, I would say, since around 2010, 2011. And it's been something that is really part of the tapestry of my life. And I've been very lucky that it resonates with so many others. And there's nothing that gives me more joy to see it getting its due credit and due diligence now in the sense that people now, I think in this new beautiful wave and this renaissance that the county and the region is seeing, are able to look back at the past and we see less of the failure and we see more of a reason to celebrate and move forward with joy while we move into a very exciting future. Because I mean, look, there was not much to do in the county in 95. Livingston Manor was a ghost town when I was growing up. And, you know, now you go to Roscoe or Narrowsburg and it's just unbelievable and it's so exciting. So I think now the excitement of the future allows us to look at the past and honor it and in a very dignified, respectful way that's devoid of shame and that failure. And now we, we really just look towards the success of that era and, and its imprint. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation and look forward to more with you as this very much connects with the work of Trailer Talk, which is now in its 20th year. And it all began because I live in Sullivan County and, uh, and my interest in these intersections. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been speaking with Marissa Scheinfeld, and uh, we are talking about her Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project, also her book, The Borscht Belt, Revisiting the Remains of America's Jewish Vacation Land, and coming up, another book, Once Upon a Time. To find out more about Marissa Scheinfeld's work, you can go to May the Borscht be with you.org may the borscht be with you.org and also marissa scheinfeld.com oh my gosh thank you so much I this really... was lovely we have way more to talk oh, about we so... have... and if you are in sullivan county new york coming up on august 13th will be a marker dedication and event in mountaindale new york and on August 20th in Swan Lake, New York, and even a lakeside concert, uh, they will be available to visit following those dates. And again, to find out more, 
please visit maytheborshtbewithyou.org. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels.